Welcome to Pure Hustle Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando. And we're on episode 171. Yeah. Level Up Review. T-M-M. I almost said T-T-M. You're just going to throw some random... The total uh, Money Makeover. Total Money Makeover. That's right. Those Boom. who know, know. Drop it. Th- those who've gone through it, know. Yeah. And those who've picked up the book, know. And... I like this level up review far more than the other one, even though you should still listen to the other one, because this is where it gets to the practical part. Like this is what you do. The other one is more like theory. This is why here's the myths. Here's what's true. And now we're getting to the very difficult tasks. Yeah. Now these are very difficult tasks. The nice thing is they're simple. One of the things I always started. (laughs) Wait, wait, you just said they're difficult, but they're simple. They're simple. No, no, absolutely. One of the things I used to start my class with every year, like one of my favorite writing prompts that I'd have students do like day one, was I'd make them write, what's the difference between easy and simple, right? And I'd make them describe the differences. And, you know, usually I can like tease out of students that something can be simple, like running. Running is simple, right? It's one foot in front of the other, right foot, then your left foot. It's like the simplest thing you can do. It's it's not a difficult concept, but is it easy? Right. And that there's a difference there. Something can be simple, but it can be very challenging. And so the steps that we're going to talk about today, these very practical steps can be very, very challenging. In fact, I think that's the reason why he starts the book. And, and with our first level of review for this, this book, we discuss so much of the myths and the beliefs people have is because you kind of have to tear down the, the foundations of where people are, what their thought process is on, on finances, because as he says, and we're going to start with chapter five today, as he talks about in chapter five is there is the problem is most people are financially ignorant and ignorant doesn't mean as he describes that you're not smart. It just means you don't know, you don't understand. And it's not because you're not capable of understanding, but you haven't been taught. You didn't see it at home. You didn't learn it in school. And so he starts with a lot of those myths that, that people believe and things people believe. Cause one of the great analogies from that first section that we talked about was the idea of if you're physically unfit, if you're, if you're physically overweight or something like that, you can't really hide it. People see that, but you can be financially unfit and nobody might not it's know. Pretty, right? It's pretty wild. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty wild. I just, uh, I had, uh, watched, uh, there's this guy that makes millions and he's all over social media and, you watch his life and you're like, wow, this guy is living it up. I mean, he's, you know, huge house, has the Lambos, has the women, has everything. And then you find out it's because he's been dipping into his company's money, right? So his company is actually losing because he's he's basically on credit. It's not his money, right? So he's losing. And yeah, it is. It's so easy to fake. And, you know, in the reselling community, how many resellers have we known or, you know, watched followed, seen, you know, just go from, yeah, actually this entire time, this individual wasn't making as much money as he was projecting. It looked like it. Right. And we, and it's very easy to hide. I mean, it's very easy. And I like the analogy, you know, of reselling fitting into this because you talk about easy and simple, right? It's really easy to resell. Simple. Simple. Sorry. <laughs> I just ruined the whole thing. All right. It's really simple to resell. Right. It, it doesn't take much. It's buy low, buy low, sell high. Yep. Right. Basic economics. But there's a lot tied into it. Yep. Right. There's the, the sourcing correctly, researching. Then there's the, hey, how do I make my listing look good? How do I take my pictures? Where do I post it? What's the platform? Okay. When it sells, how do I ship it? What's the best way? How do I deal with customer service? There's a lot tied into it. And it's the same scenario here where these things can be done. 
but it's going to take that word called discipline, which I'm not a big fan of, but sometimes you have to apply discipline, especially here. For you, we'll just call it commitment. I know. Listen, I, I, I joke around. I know things take discipline. Losing weight takes discipline. Having, you know, a solid work habit takes it. Let's be real. Okay. Let's be real. All this time I've been giving a hard time. I think it's this whole, like, no one's going to tell me what to do, but, but yeah, it takes self-discipline. It does. You can tell yourself what to do. Well, (laughs) self-discipline is different than like, you're being disciplined with a rod. Like someone's hitting you because you're not perfect. You know, self-discipline is like, I want to be the best me. So I'm going to make the right choices. Yeah, But some people do better with not with the, not, not a real rod, but an imaginary rod telling, Hey, get this done. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's some people that are positive reinforcement people and there's some people that are negative reinforcement people, right? I'm a negative reinforcement person. So if I don't get, you know, told you need to get this done, I'm like, yeah. But yeah, you fight against it. I fight against it. Super. (laughs) All right. So anyways, enough about me. All right. But I love what you said. I love where you said, likewise, no one is born with the knowledge of how to handle money, but we aren't taught that. And I think that's right on because, you know, you can really get down on yourself, right? You might start reading Totally Money Makeover and you're like, I'm such an idiot. Like, why didn't I do this? Why why have I been using credit cards? Why did I take thousands of dollars in student loans? And it's not because you're stupid. It's not because you're foolish. You just didn't know. I mean, right? I would say until the last maybe decade, there weren't a lot of people that frowned on taking student loans. I really, I, I just remember like the best way, and even myself as an administrator, you know, when I'd have students come to me and ask me about colleges, I would say, hey, don't make money be an obstacle about where you go to school. And I didn't mean that in a way of, you know, hey, work hard, find ways to pay off. I'm like, hey, just take the loan. And I didn't tell people to take loans, but I just, I said, hey, that's a non-issue. You can always pay back your loans. And now I go and I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Are there other ways? I mean, I I, th- I think there's value in figuring things out, but sometimes taking on too big of a loan can hinder you for the next decade, and you got to be careful about that. So I, I, I'm I'm gonna stop ranting here. But even growing up, my my parents and I've shared this story many many times. They knew how to make money, but they didn't know how to maintain money. Right? We can all as resellers, we all have figured out how to make money, whether it's you know, a few hundred a week or whether it's a million or two or more a year, we know how to make money, whether to keep that money and have that money continue, right, to be under our tutelage is a whole different ballgame. So, all right, we should move on. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, he uses a good example here of like driving a car. Um, You can be a very smart person, but if you've never driven a car, you're going to need to learn. Otherwise, you're going to get into a wreck. And he uses that analogy with finances. If the idea of just try harder you know, maybe if they get more money, it'll be better. That's like telling somebody who doesn't know how to drive a car. Like maybe if you just go faster, you'll figure it out, right? Like the wrecks are just going to get worse and worse. More money doesn't help the issue. Knowledge has to help it. Um, And he says this, overcoming ignorance is easy. First, with no shame, admit that you are not a financial expert because you were never taught. Second, finish this book. Third, go on a lifetime quest to learn more about money. And I think that's such a great concept is one, you just have to admit, right? I mean, we know from so many, you know, like Alcoholics Anonymous and all these other types of programs that, that usually the first step in something is just recognizing, hey, there's a problem here, right? Like I am not 
I don't have finances figured out. If I had finances figured out, I wouldn't have to read a book like this. If I had, you know, a million dollars in the bank account and I had no debt and I had, you know, just money, I wouldn't have to worry about this. But that's not 95% of the population. Most of the population has some kind of financial trouble. So admit it, recognize it, then go through a book like this. I mean, it doesn't have to be this one, but a book. And then I love the idea of become a lifetime, lifetime learner on this. This isn't a subject that you can just learn one time and be good. But you want to constantly be learning about money, just like with reselling. You can't just learn the basics of reselling and then never grow from there. You want to learn new niches. You want to learn how to save money and how to get supplies cheaper and make new connections and learn the markets and what trends are changing. Because if you say the exact same, you might be doing okay, but you're not going to be getting optimal growth. And so become a lifelong learner and don't be afraid of reading this book, reading another book, going to seminars and really recognizing that just like in any area of your life, if you want to improve, you got to put some time and energy into it. Well, I love the example he gives. He talks about his his marriage. He says, hey, Sharon and I have a great marriage, not perfect, but great. Why we read about marriage? We go to marriage retreats. We date weekly. We sometimes take a Sunday school class on marriage. And we even meet once in a while with a friend who's a Christian marriage counselor. Do we do all these things because our marriage is weak? No, we do all these things to make our marriage great. And it, it's interesting because in everything in life, you pretty much are told, hey, there's a book for this, there's a book for this, there's a book for this. I can say it wasn't until I got into the reselling space that I actually was like, hey, there's books that are good to learn about finances. And maybe just because I'm ignorant. I mean, growing up, I the only lesson I knew was if you work hard enough, you're going to make it, which isn't true either because you can work hard. I know people that have worked hard and they're still in the same place they were in the last 20 years. I was one of those people. I was in the same place up until my 30s. And had I played things differently in my 20s, I'd be a far wealthier individual right now. I just I just didn't know. And and whenever there was a book, I always thought it was a scam, mm. right? Until Totally Money Makeover. So this book, it wasn't until I was 30 that I read this book. And when I read this book, even then I thought, this is, this is a scam. There's no way I can get out of debt. There's no way I can live debt-free. There's no way that I can actually find money with the amount of money I'm making right now. I'm always going to be paycheck to paycheck. Then I read this book and and it worked. But even still, that wasn't enough, right? So I, I keep saying to those of you that are a little bit older or you've been married you know, a lot longer, and there's some of you that are young, understand that it's. I think it's unnatural to read books on finances. I think right now we're in a different place with all this entrepreneur stuff that's been happening because the economy was hot the last few years. But it's 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 an I think it's a new thing. And uh, and those of you in the reselling space, even then, it's as a reseller, you know, we're very much of like we don't need to buy a course or we don't need to do this. But sometimes there's value in doing those things, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. And I mean, you might not need to buy a course, but if you're not spending hours weekly, monthly, whatever it is, in some way learning about it, whether it's reading, watching YouTube videos, learning from people, having a mentor who's already further along the road than you are, you've got to be doing something in every area, whether it's whether it's fitness, relationships, business, you're going to have to be growing. If you're not growing, you're 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 stagnating. If you're lucky, usually you're losing. Um, and, and then it goes into, and then we'll wrap up this chapter, which is kind of the last theoretical chapter before we get to some practical. Uh, he says the second hurdle in this chapter is the keeping up with the Joneses, peer pressure, cultural expectations, reasonable standard of living. I don't care how you say it. We all need to be accepted by our crowd and our families. This need for approval and respect drives us to do some really insane things. And that's so true. And I love the fact that he recognizes that the 
as a human race, we all have this like kind of innate desire to be accepted. We want people to like us. Even the people, you might see some people who are very rebellious and they want to rebel and they want to show how rebellious they are. Typically, they're still looking for approval in their their subculture. Every person has some kind of a subculture that they want to have acceptance. They want to have approval. They want people to look and say, you're doing the things right in, in our group, in our culture. And in the kind of Western culture, consumerism is so big. I mean, that's why we can make so much money reselling is because people want things. And a reason why so many people want things is because it's a keeping up with the Joneses. If you can show that you have this car, or you have this house, or you wear this brand, it says something about who you are, or at least you're trying to present that to people. And, and the sad thing is, and I've loved other people have said similar things, is we oftentimes spend money we don't have in order to impress people we might not even like. Oh, I, I see it all the time. I, I was part of this private school culture. And I would see people rolling in their Mercedes and their coach handbags. And, you know, I'm like, wow, like they must be doing well. And then I'm finding out that they're needing like financial aid to send their kids to school. And I'm like, wait a second. Wait a second. So you're saying that these things were more important than your children's education. Right. And that's a whole other conversation. But it's it's the same scenario. Right. You you choose you're choosing a status symbol instead of something that is elevating actually helping your child later on in life and i remember those days because i i've never i actually i would say once i was debt free i still didn't have that urge to buy expensive things right because I, I didn't i didn't feel the need and i love the book here that he mentioned and this is probably we're going to do a, a level up review on eventually uh the millionaire next door you ever read that book yep. I have. And it's such a good book because it blows you away because you look at all the studies that this individual does. And this is what he comes down to. He says, in short, Stanley, this is the author, found that the typical millionaire found infinitely more motivation from the goal of financial security than from friends and family thought. And he came across millionaires lived in middle class homes, drove a two year old or older paid for car and bought their blue jeans at Walmart. I'm like, wait, millionaires go to Walmart, right? What do you, and it's interesting. The other day I was on social media and they were talking about all these high-end clothing places. Now, I, this may be, you know, not common amongst everyone, but there, the argument that was being made was that these high-end clothing places are made for people to buy so they feel rich, not because they are rich. Yeah, no, it's so true. I mean, there are the wealthiest of people who have things that we it's can't It's like even, a non-issue to buy. Yeah, we, that we can't even fathom. Like they have boats that cost more than than 10 houses, right? Like, I'll ever make in my life. It, it's, there are those individuals, but the average millionaire, the average person who's very, very wealthy lives significantly below their means. And actually they they look, dress, and and have things that look like a middle-class person would have. And oftentimes middle-class families and poor families try to have things that looks like what rich people would have. And it's all a marketing ploy to get people to buy things. And I love he says here, um, cause he says, it's true. Like we are going to push back against this. We're going to have a hard time convincing our family. And that's one of the, the things, I mean, I remember I've had family members or friends who've gone through total money makeover or financial peace and they have to say no to a lot of things. You see that they're, they they get rid of their nice car, they buy a, a kind of a junker beater car, and they're not wearing the same kinds of clothing they're wearing. They're not going out to eat as much. You say, hey, you want to go out and, and grab some food? And it's like, oh, I've already spent my budget. And I applaud that, but so many people kind of mock like, oh, 
can't have any fun in life. But the reality is, and he you says, just gotta cut those people out. But well, but the thing is, people like that they they typically act that way because they know that they should be doing differently, but they're not, and so they want to pull everybody down to them. But the reality is, and he says in, in this book, this concept, and it's so good, is is you live like nobody else now, so you can live like nobody else later. And the idea is, just imagine if you could, if I could just tell you hypothetically, and this is just a, you know a hypothetical situation, but you had to wear the cheapest clothes that basically said right on the shirt, I'm dirt poor. Like everybody looked at you and say, wow, that person is is very, very poor. You had to wear that those clothes for a year. But then after that year, you would be a multimillionaire. Would you do it? Right. Huh. And and yeah, that's, that's kind example. of yeah. the what happens in a book like this is in a lot of ways, if you put these principles that we're going to be talking about next into place, you are going to be doing things that are going to be uncomfortable. You're going to wish like, man, I just want to have that really nice steak meal. But again, I'm eating at home and I'm eating the cheap food and I'm not, you know, doing all these things. And you might say, I'm losing all of this fun, but in a short period of time, you'll be at a place where you can do those things and more and you're not hurting. And other people are doing those things now and they're going to pay for it the rest of their lives. And they're never actually going to get to enjoy it. And you know what it's like if you go out and you have a good steak dinner with some friends and, and you have some beers and you do all these things and you, you, you have your nice purse and you have your nice car and you go home and you don't know how you're going to pay the bills. Are you really sleeping well at night? Are you really enjoying life? But so many people present that idea is if you're not doing those things, you're not enjoying life. Well, if you don't do those things for a year or two so that you can get out of debt, then you can do those things the rest of your life and never have to lose an, a, a wink of sleep because you've got the money. So be willing to make short term sacrifices now so that you can have a long term life uh, and, and realize that the, he says the resistance to the heart is real. And he talks about all of the things that we want, but he says it's like a drug, having acceptance from people, having people look at us and say, wow, they've made it. Right. I mean, think about it. If you've got a coworker who drives a nicer car than you, you might be thinking, man, if I had a nicer car, you know, they must be better off than me. You don't know what their life is like. You don't know when they go home and they're not sure how they're going to pay stop their electricity on other bill. people. Yep. I mean, I, I, I go back to, I don't, I've shared the story before, but I remember when I met the CEO of Costco, I was in, I was in a Costco randomly and I saw this entourage. I've shared the story before, but maybe you haven't heard it. It was on a podcast way long ago. And I saw Jim Senegal, who he's not CEO anymore. He was a former CEO, but he was the co-founder of Costco. And, you know, Jim Senegal is a billionaire. He's not a millionaire. He's not a multimillionaire. He's a billionaire. And I, I approached him and I'm just kind of surprised he was willing to engage in a conversation with me. And I had some questions about, you know, how do you make it and what are his thoughts on what's going on right now in our current time and da 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 da. And, you know, I remember he, he took a picture with me and everything. And I remember shaking hands with him. And then on my way out, one of the Costco employees goes, how did it feel to shake the hand of a billionaire? And I had to think about that because it didn't feel any different, hmm. right? There, there is no difference in look or, or in, in the shaking hands of an individual or any of that between somebody who is poor and somebody who is a billionaire. And even his attire, he wasn't dressed up at all. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure he had Kirkland Signature shirts on, right? And he was wearing his own brand. Right, which isn't expensive. It's super humble guy. And I can tell you, it it doesn't matter. Like you're not gonna care. Once you're debt free, once you have that money in the bank, you're not gonna care what people think. Right. I, I remember growing up all the time, you know, I, I grew up in in the you know, not and it wasn't I thought it was a nice place, but apparently, you know, when people from college came and visited, they're like, Oh, it's nice. But I didn't know any different. But here's the thing. I remember everybody in my neighborhood 
right? Even though a lot of us, I, I was okay, but a lot of my other friends didn't have money. They're all about, hey, I'm going to drop $200 on some Jordans. I'm going to drop 200 bucks on this starter jacket. I'm going to drop this. And even at a young age, you can get caught up in this whole like, hey, I need to just flash what money I have. But it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. And especially when you're trying to get debt free, once you start paying off that debt, once you get to a place where you have a six months emergency fund, you're not going to care if your neighbor has a nicer house or better furniture or the nicer car because you're going to be like, hey, I don't have to stress. And like you said, I sleep well at night and I sleep very well. So, yeah. all right. Oh, that's think, good. So don't keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, don't keep up with the Joneses. All right, moving on to chapter six. Uh, this is our first real practical. And if you listen to our last episode on this book, I mentioned this is kind of like a, if you, if if you're kind of hungry for what to do first, how to get started, it's baby step one. And baby step one is save $1,000 fast, walk before you run. And he kind of talks about if you're overweight, if you're not in shape, and someone were to say to you, you need to run a marathon or you need to climb this mountain, it's going to seem impossible to you. And so the first thing you have to do is start building up the foundation you need physically, emotionally, all of those things to accomplish the task you have at hand. And as you start taking step after step, and as the weeks and months and years go by, you're going to get to the point where you can do that and it's going to be possible, whereas right now it's not possible. And so one of the first steps you need to do and he mentions is to save a thousand dollars fast you can. And this is your emergency fund. This is money that you can use when something goes wrong. And this isn't for, um, he gives a, a great list. Let's see. Um, I'll, I'll mention it later. Uh, but it, this isn't for everyday things. This isn't for things that Christmas is not an emergency, right? You know, Christmas is coming. You're supposed to budget for that. And I don't know if he, in the later chapters, talks more about budget. I know oh, I, he did, does. I did financial peace. So it kind of budget was a big first step in it. Uh, but he kind of says here, before you spend every dollar, before you, when you get your check, every dollar should already have a place where it's going to go, how, what bills it's going to go to. And so you're budgeting and he kind of just alludes to budgeting early. But one of your first steps, if you're in debt and you're having a hard time, is to save $1,000 cash as quickly as you can. Maybe that takes you a month to do. Maybe it takes you six months to save up that. Maybe it takes you a year. But to get that money, so that way when something goes wrong, the alternator breaks in your car or the refrigerator just stops working, you can get those fixed or buy something without having to go into debt because that is the typical thing people rely on. When something goes wrong, car breaks down, the first thing they do if they don't have savings is they pull out a credit card and they've gone further into debt. And so... If you have this $1,000 cash, you've got it liquid, it's somewhere you can get to it, and a bank account that's easily accessible. When something goes wrong, you're covered, and it's so much better than pulling out more debt. Because when you're trying to get debt-free, the last thing you want is to get into more debt. Yeah, agreed. And it has to be a laser focus. So I like what he says. He says, the power of focus is what causes our baby steps to work. When you try to do everything at once, progress, progress can be very slow. When you put 3% in your 401k, 50 bucks towards the house payment, $5 extra on the credit card, you dilute your efforts because you attack several areas at once. You don't finish anything. You start for a long time. That makes you feel that you aren't accomplishing anything, which is very dangerous. If you feel that nothing's getting done, you will soon lose energy for the task of money management altogether. So the key thing is when you're trying to get this thousand, that is the only thing. So you're paying all your other bills, but every single dollar extra, anything that's left, and, and we'll talk about budget in a little bit because that's one of the big ways that you do this is you attack, you attack. It's, it's, it's baby steps. That's why it's called baby steps. It's, it's, that is the only thing you focus on because, you know, let's put it with reselling. 
how many times have you tried to sell on multiple platforms all at once and you find that you can't handle it or you try to learn several niches all at once or you try to do all these things and then you become mediocre at many of them. The key thing is this is your only focus. You can't jump. I, I don't think you can jump the baby steps, right? I think it's very tough, right? And the key point in all this though, before you do anything, you got you have to budget. He's very clear on this, in this chapter about budgeting. He says, set up a new budget every month. Don't try to have the perfect budget for the perfect month because we never have those. Spend every dollar on paper before the month begins. So that's very important. And when I started this, that was the hardest thing. I had never in my entire life planned out every single dollar I was going to make. There should never be a dollar left over. And there's actually an app that's really helpful called the Every Dollar app. It's put out by Dave Ramsey. It's free, though. You can use it as an app. It's on your desktop. And it makes it very simple. You put how much money you make. And then after that, you break down your bills. And I'll tell you how much money you have left over. That money should be at zero. There should be no just random money left over. And then you look at your budget. Then you can start going like, do I really need to spend this much? Can I cut my cable bill? For example, I did not have a cable bill probably, and I don't know why I have one now. I really wish I didn't anymore. But I went an entire, I say decade without cable. And this was before Netflix and Hulu and all that. I mean, did we have Netflix in 09? I don't remember. It's probably still getting uh getting the DVDs in the mail. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's what it was. So and so in 2010, I remember cutting out cable. No more cable. Right? I and we survived. It was fine. I mean, you always found stuff to watch. And even now it's easy. So if I could do it in 2010, you could definitely do it now. Yeah, just think about that. Like, okay, you got a cable bill. We'll just say on the low end, it's 60, 70 bucks. And then you've got going out to eat or just getting coffees throughout the month, mm-hmm. right? Probably easily another 30. And these are like low numbers. You got $100 right there that you can cut out. That means with just that alone, in 10 months, you got your $1,000, right? You can probably make that that process happen a lot sooner. But again, that everybody's going to be different. This isn't like within three weeks, have this amount of money. Every, every situation is going to be different. But if you attack this with as much intensity as you should, it's going to happen sooner than you think. And the nice thing with this, again, this $1,000, this is not money you should be using. It should be what he refers to as liquid. Liquid just meaning that you can access it quickly. It shouldn't be in a in a in the stock market. It shouldn't be in a high-yielding savings account that takes two weeks hold before you can withdraw the money. This should be money that you can access within a day or sooner, but it shouldn't be easy to access. There's it's a interesting difference you bring that up. We wanted to take a quick moment to thank our sponsors for this episode. Hey everyone, ever found yourself too busy to list or wanting to scale and not knowing how? Well, we've partnered with a great service called Sellhound. They will help you do much of the heavy lifting and can benefit your business in many ways. Sign up for listing services with Sellhound and receive 25% off your first purchase or 25% off your first month of a Sellhound monthly subscription. You can do this by using our promo code all in caps, Pure Hustle 25. That's the numbers, 2-5. By the way, everyone gets three free listings to try out before any purchases. Just go to sawhound.com and subscribe using our promo code, Pure Hustle 25. So Orlando and I are always looking out for tools and programs that can be used in our own reselling to help improve our sales uh, and things that we can share with the community in order to help others. Uh, And we've been lucky enough to partner with two companies here at the same time uh, that we think do just that. So it's kind of interesting because both of these companies are competition. So, uh, you know, but this is a good thing that we're advertising both, I feel, because we are really, really big on 
letting you make decisions and not saying like, this is the way you should do things because you know, you know, what's best for your model of selling and what you need to be doing. Uh, so we've been able to partner with list perfectly and Vindu. And both of these are programs that can be used to cross list postings on multiple platforms. This is great because we always talk about the importance of being on multiple platforms and not putting all of your eggs into one basket. But one of the barriers to that is the time issue. And the nice thing with List Perfectly and Vindu is it allows you to make one listing that then gets cross-posted to multiple platforms. So you're not having to post things multiple places and spend that time. And in this case, that time saved is money you're making. So both of these companies have a special offer for our listeners if you were to sign up. Um, you need to sign up using the affiliate links that we have in our descriptions or show descriptions in order to get the uh, promotional codes. Uh, so first of all is List Perfectly. They're giving 30% off your first month, which is amazing. And they've got some incredible things that they they offer. So uh, for instance, your postings go to eBay, they go to Mercari, Depop, Grail, Etsy, Poshmark. There's just so many. You got to check it out. There's almost too many to list here. Um, and so if you sign up, you get 30% off, but you have to use our... our link and then use the code LP30. And then the other one is Vindu. Vindu is very similar. Uh, you're going to get 25% off your first month if you use our affiliate link. You don't have to use a promo code. Just click on the link in the description. Uh, and your your listings are going to go to eBay. They're going to go to Etsy. They're going to go to Poshmark. They're going to go to Mercari. So this is just a great opportunity for you to save some time, get on multiple platforms, and maybe make some more money. Because right now what I'm seeing in social media, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? I know we're veering off, but I, I want to hear what your thoughts are because you're dealing with some student loans too, right? You're still working on those. And is that okay for me to say? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> probably shouldn't. Yeah. Brown and Instagram. Probably loans. shouldn't just, just, shouldn't just ask on the podcast. Maybe you should have asked beforehand. Hey, my, my, my finances are an open book. Keeping it real. All right. So lately I've been seeing, Hey, you're better off putting money into a stock market and getting and instead of paying and trying to work to pay off your student loans is better to invest it in business because you'll get higher returns and then you can pay off your student loans. What yeah. Your thoughts on that? Well, and that's going to go into the next baby step. Even um, it's true. If you were to look at just the mathematics, if you were to look at on paper, um, the next baby step is paying off your starting to pay off your debt, the debt snowball and reality, the best advice, like if you were to do it mathematically, is to pay off high interest rate stuff first. But that's not the process he goes. He goes with pay off the lowest the lowest amount that you owe that one first, even if it's got 0% interest rate, because it's 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 almost like a, a psychological thing. So it, it might be true that you might be getting a 7 to 8 to 10% return on interest on investment if you're in the stock market, whereas your student loan interest might only be 3%. So it makes sense in the long term maybe to do that, but at the same time, it just, it really depends. And so I just wanted to hear your thoughts. I theoretically, it sounds great, but you're, there's also the variable that you're, you know, unless, you know, most people right now that are jumping on Robin hood, aren't playing the S and P, you know, they're not playing it safe with index funds, right? right? They're, 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 they're doing, gambling they're it. doing what I'm doing right now, <laughs> you know, day trading kind of, but at the same time, you still have that debt that no matter what happens, you're going to have to pay that debt. So if you lose your job, you're going to have the student loan that's hanging over you. Are you going to cash out all your stocks? Like you're going to be in a bad scenario, right? And so I see the I see the logic on it, but at the same time, you're you're playing a game with money. Right? I I really believe the safer bet is you play that game when you have money to play with. Don't play with it when you don't have that money cuz 
actually, that's not your money. You're you're borrowing. You're literally borrowing from your student loan to invest in the stock market to get that return. If you disagree, let me know. Let me, I'm interested yeah. in the comments. No, I mean it, it. It really is true. Like if you're on paper, you might be looking at a four to five percent difference. So if you're looking at you know six thousand dollars in the year, but over the year that that amount might not matter as much as the fact of hey, making that payment, maybe making a little bit more. If you can get like, if you've got a private loan out on student loans, getting that small one paid off first, the psychological benefit of that. And then two, the other thing, and it's so true, if you start saving early, um, he even talks about like kind of gauging when you should maybe stop putting into a 401k, if it's going to get you out of debt quicker and all of those things. And every case is different and kind of talks about that. Uh, But the reality is if you can get to a place in 10 years five years, whatever it is for you, where you're a hundred percent debt free, you don't have any, any payment at all. You don't have a house payment. Your only payments are the things that like you can't control like every month, electricity, um, gas, food, those types of things, but you're not paying for a car. You're not paying for all those things. True. If you would have started investing early in the stock market, that money could have doubled in seven to 10 years. But if you start in 10 years and you can now contribute $2,000 a month instead of $300 a month, you're going to catch up quickly. So I'm not saying don't. And again, every situation is going to be different, uh, but there is so much power in having zero debt. If you can be, and I'd even think about that with people who are retired. There's so many people who are retired and then, you know, they're pulling in however much they're making off their pension or their retirement. Maybe they're getting social security. And if they have zero debt, if they own their house, if they own their car, if they own all of those things, the discretionary money they have is unbelievable. They mm-hmm. can live off a very small amount of money. If you've got debt, the amount of income you need all of a sudden goes up. So there's a lot of power in paying off debt. There's two ways. You can either reduce the amount you have to spend or reduce the amount you have coming in. Both of those things are kind of equal. And so if you can reduce the amount going out, you don't even have to have as much coming in. And as you get more coming in, you've got more discretionary money. Um, and so, yeah, just remember, um, I love the way he puts it here as we kind of wrap up this. Um, most of Americans use credit cards to catch up on life's quote emergencies. Some of these so-called emergencies are events like Christmas. Christmas is not an emergency. It does not sneak up on you. Christmas is always in December. They don't move it. Therefore, it's not an emergency. Your car will need repairs. Your kids will outgrow their clothes. These are not emergencies. These are items that belong in your budget. If you don't budget for them, they will feel like emergencies. And so recognizing if you get a good budget, you're, I mean, I do this. I have a, a pretty strict budget. I put a certain amount of money into our budget every single month for gifts. I put a certain amount of money. Um, I'm off the grid 100%. So I know every... That he is. Yeah, so I know every probably two years, I need to buy new batteries for my solar system because I'm not connected to the grid. I don't have power coming in. Those batteries are expensive. I'm paying over $1,000. So I can wait until those two years hit and all of a sudden I have a $1,000 electricity bill that I wasn't planning for or... I could put $20 a month into an envelope or into an account saying, this is for when I need to replace those batteries. And then when it happens, it's not an emergency. It's not like, oh, I need to pull my $1,000 emergency fund to pay for these batteries that I knew were going to go bad, right? I'm already budgeting for those things. And then he gives the last bit of advice that's really good here. Before we jump there, can can we land here real quick? Yeah, go for it. I just think this is important that you need to agree. If 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 you are married or in a relationship with someone... Like, I really think you need to be on pay, on board with this one. I, the only reason I say this is because it's really hard, really hard. I know so many people that have either successfully done it because both were on board or it never happened. Right. So what, what are your thoughts? 
Do you, do you think, I'm not trying to say, hey, let's give some, you know, marital or, or relationship advice, but what are your thoughts? Do you think a person can go it alone? Um, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> interested because I, from my remembrance that what you're reading was from chapter eight, but I guess it's from chapter, chapter six while we're on. Well, he goes all over the place sometimes. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, yeah, it's, it's, you need to be on the same page with your spouse. Especially with, with the budgets, the budget, the budget. If you're, if you're fighting over finances, here's the thing. It's, it's really, really difficult if you're not on the same page. Like we need to get a thousand dollars saved. We need to pay off our debt. If you're not on the same page, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. It's better to get on the same page and maybe go a little bit slower if you have to. But the nice thing again is if you can both get on the same, the realization, maybe it's your family, your kids, whatever it is, the realization that maybe we sacrifice for six months, a year, 18 months, however long it is, two years. And he says, most people following this process within 18 to two, 18 months to two years are going to be pretty much debt free or pretty close to it. And that's not everybody, but for many, the, it this depends the on your debt. Yep. Um, then, then you can spend like crazy again because you have that discretionary <laughs> money. I don't know if you want to spend like crazy, but it's, but not, I see what you're saying. it's not debt you're going into. But here, here's, here's what I thought was very powerful. So, you know, a lot of times people get into arguments because what they're arguing is in front of them, right? So it's that person that they're arguing with. But if it's a separate entity that they're arguing and it's not part of the it's it's not the person that they're arguing about. It's a piece of paper. It makes it a lot easier. So let me let me explain a little bit. Let me read what Dave Ramsey wrote. He says, if you're married, agree on the budget with your spouse. This one sentence requires a standalone book to describe how. But the bottom line is this. If you aren't working together, it is almost impossible to win. Once a budget is agreed upon and is in writing right? Shake hands, agree to it. You'll never do anything with money that is not on that paper. The paper is the boss of the money and you are the boss of what goes on the paper, but you have to stick to the budget or just an elaborate theory, right? So it's a lot easier if you are both in an agreement before the month begins and saying, this is what we're going to. And so therefore, if, if something happens later on and you have a disagreement, it's not between each other. It's disagreement with the paper. And then you can actually have a civil conversation. I'm, you know, again, we have no, <laughs> no therapy or counseling degree, but I'm telling you this works because I've worked with so many people who have done this. And I even did it in my own life back in the day is that you just go, Hey, look at this paper. This is what we agreed to. Okay. Where can we cut here to make it happen? And, if, and hopefully you both are on the same page and you can come to an agreement and either you shift things around or you just go, you know what? Actually, the numbers didn't work. I'm, I'm sorry. I thought about that. And you move on. Right, but I think it's very powerful. And I'm just going to give a side note advice to the people that are young and you're uh, looking at a date or court, whatever you call it. Like if, if you're getting into a relationship with someone that has a ton of debt, take care of that debt before you move into anything. Dave Ramsey says that all day, but I'm telling you, it's going to be your debt. And unless you get this total money makeover, like, you know, <laughs> vision for both of you, you're going to have a very difficult time. Right. So you got to be on board with this. And if the other person doesn't want to be on board, I would tell you time to move on. And that's my two yeah, cents. Unless, unless of course you're obviously already married, then, then no, you no, a hundred percent. But I'm saying, Hey, until that I do, it's all good. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Um, so now we're going to get some lovely comments. So he, he ends um, kind of with just this, the, so baby step one gets that thousand dollars. What happens when you move on, you're in other steps or something happens and you have to, you lose some of that thousand dollars. 
there's a really bad hailstorm, your roof got damaged and you've got like a big insurance claim and you have to pay a deductible and it's $400 and you have to pull that from your emergency fund. What do you do? Whatever step you're on, you pause that step, you go back to step one and you get that thousand dollars back, right? That is, that's always kind of your foundation. Think of that as the foundation of your house. When you have to pull from that, that emergency fund, everything else goes back on hold. And again, he talks very early in this chapter, you have your necessities, you have food, you have clothing, you have your house, all those things you have to pay. You got to figure those things out first. This isn't like get a thousand dollars and I'm not going to pay for food this month. Or I'm not going to pay my mortgage. You have to pay the necessities. You need those things. You need heating and air. You need those things. But you have to be careful as to what you're saying necessities. Right. And right? So, groceries is one thing like where you can, you know, I remember when I first started this, we were dropping all kinds of money on groceries and it was like, it was like pointless. Yep. You know, you're buying, you're buying snacks you don't need. You're buying drinks you don't need. You're, you know, the going out to eat's the biggest one. Yeah. You can lose, you can, you can lose a lot of money going out to eat. I mean, if, if you drink, you can lose a ton of money buying alcohol, right? I mean, hundreds of dollars a night. So you gotta be, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just, I want to, you, you gotta be clear. Like you're not talking about budgeting to continue your main standard of living. You're talking about dropping your standard of living as far as on paper. So you can get this thousand dollars, right? You, you are changing what you're doing completely. Right. So then later, like you said, you can spend all kinds of money. Yep. Right. But it's true. It's true. But it it's very tough because you're used to living a certain way or buying things a certain way. And this isn't easy. Like, I think, Mike, I hope we're not coming across like this is easy. Like, this is not tough. This, this was rough. Now, I think Mike and I, after doing this for a long time, I think it's like, whatever. Like, it's not a big deal. I mean, we're resellers, so we've become callous to like having nice things mm -hmm. because I mean, we have nice things, but we don't try to get things just because they're nice. Right. Right. So we're there with you. And so if you're, you're going like you guys make it to, no, it's not, it's not that we're saying it's easy. It's, it is tough. That first thousand dollars, I was there. Everything is less than paycheck to paycheck, but you can make it happen. It's definitely doable. Yeah, that's good. All right. So moving on to to baby step number two, if you're already there, if you got your thousand dollars, you figured that out. Uh, what do you do next? So this is what we call the debt snowball. So step two is the debt snowball. And the subtitle of this chapter is lose weight fast, really. And the idea is you got to start slow. And a lot of times people want to go really hard into something. They work really, really hard to, to lose a bunch of weight and they get burnout and then they go and they binge and they get heavier than they were before. And it happens with exercise. People overtrain and then they're too sore and they stop going to the gym and then they're done. And so sometimes it's better just to, to ease into something. And he says this, the bottom line is that it's easy to become wealthy if you don't have any payments. You may get sick of hearing it, but this, uh, but the key to winning any battle is to identify the enemy. The reason I'm so passionate about getting rid of debt is that I have seen how many people make huge strides towards being a millionaire in the short time after they get rid of their payments. And so imagine for a second, he does a couple of exercises here where in the next chapter he'll say like, close your eyes. Imagine you've got your thousand. Imagine you're hundred percent debt for you've paid off all your debt except for your house because the, the debt snowball doesn't include your house. So let's say you've paid all those things off. Just imagine how you feel right now, right? Like just the excitement of now. The discretionary money that you have, if you were to take that money and then start investing it, and that kind of goes back to your original point of, well, should I invest now as opposed to paying off my debt? And he explains that with just a relatively small amount of money, but more than you would, all the money you're paying right now in student loans, in your car payment, 
and your credit cards, all of those things. If you were to take those things and start investing it once you don't have any payments, then within, and, and it's staggering the number of years, it's like, Within three years of like two or three thousand dollars a month, you're a millionaire. And then within five years, you're up to like three million. And then within like by the time you get to like 15 years later, you've got like 10 million dollars. Like it just compounds quickly and quickly, like faster and faster. And you get there because you have no debt. And then just imagine something goes wrong. Well, this month I don't invest as much money and I have this discretionary money that I can spend. So the thought is you got to get debt free and he lays it out and the the principle and i remember i fought hard against this because i'm i'm a numbers guy in some ways i mean i'm not a numbers guy i'm a word guy but um the numbers didn't make sense to me it's like if i've got a 500 payment on something with one percent interest rate and i've got a two thousand dollar bill with with maybe nine percent interest rate i'm gonna pay off that two thousand before i pay off that 500 because it's in the long run, I'm going to pay more. He advocates for list your your debts, all the things besides your house that you owe on, student loans, credit card, car, all of those things, lowest amount that you owe on top and pay those off first. And he talks about the psychological benefit of this. If you pay off that $500 one, well, let's say you were making, um, you know, it was a $20 minimum payment and you up that minimum payment to $100 a month, right? And you're still paying the minimum on everything else. You get that thing paid off in four or five months, then you take that hundred dollars and you add it to the next one on the list, number two. And then you start paying that one down. That one will pay off much quicker because not only were you doing that same minimum, but you've added extra to it. Then once number two is paid off, you take all of that money you were paying on one and two and you put it on number three. And it creates this snowball. It's the it's it's you move that small one a little bit and then that moves your, the the bigger one, the bigger one eventually oh, it's, it's you're incredible. paying you're paying yeah. and and it's such a great feeling when it's you go from I'm paying minimum payments on everything to I'm paying minimum payments on like three things, but I'm paying a thousand dollars extra every month on this one. And it's going to be paid off in three months. And then once that one's paid off, I'll be paying a thousand dollars and 200 because maybe it's a $200 minimum payment on the next one extra. And that one will be paid off in eight months, right? It's You could see how quickly it starts to snowball and add up. And even big debts can come down really fast if all of a sudden you're pouring a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars extra a month on that one you know, a $10,000 debt comes down pretty quickly when you're putting that kind of money onto it. So I posted actually this form on our Instagram. I have a while back. I was trying to look for it just now, but I can't tell you how empowering it was to do the debt snowball instead of the interest rate, because it really seems insurmountable. You know, I remember one card I owed like $15,000, right? And, you know, luckily I, I came out of college. I didn't have student loans. I actually... Here's the sad, the, the sad thing about it is that my parents took care of my college, but they lost a the house. Mm. So it's not, so basically they sacrificed for me by not being financially literate. But in the end, like it, it's, it's tough because now I know that there may be a coming, uh, there might be a time where I'm going to have to take care of my folks financially because they didn't take care of things financially, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm okay with it. I mean, I've, I've helped out my family plenty. But the reason I, I, I share all this is because I remember one of the loans I had was on my Discover card, which man, Discover, I don't know, when I was in college, like they came after you. Like they were, this was before they made the laws. I don't know if it's a nationwide, but in California, they made the laws where credit card companies couldn't be on your college campus. They have to be across the street or something. When I was in college, they were like on your campus mm -hmm. and they're like, hey, you get this free whatever, sign up. It's free no big backpack. Free backpack or whatever it is. And they would always say, you know, Listen, you're going to have a lot of college expenses. Do you really want to call home? 
do you do you really want to have to work like this? You can take care of this right now and just worry about it later, right? It's always the line. And so I failed and I signed up for my Discover card. And I remember the first year dropping $3,000. I remember I, I never paid that off. I had minimum payments for over a decade on that. It was ridiculous. But I'll never forget doing that debt snowball. And the first card pay that was paid off was my Discover card. And it felt so good. And I felt so good for two reasons. It was really easy to do. Once I had the $1,000 emergency fund, right? Every, you know, if you're, you're able to do the $1,000 emergency fund, that means you you have extra money coming in, right? And we'll talk about that a little bit because as resellers, it's definitely doable to have that extra money, right? All of you that are listening, that you listen to the podcast because you're resellers, you already have a leg up on a bunch of other people that haven't heard about reselling or don't know about reselling, right? And we'll talk about the intensity that it takes, but paying off that discovery and then taking free what it was, might've been like 40 bucks, the minimum payment, taking that 40 and then adding it to the 60 that I was paying on my Amex card. And now I was paying a hundred dollars, then paying off the Amex, right? And so now I had that 40 and that 60, I had that hundred and then adding it to my bank of America card that I forget whatever I owed 4,000 and that minimum payment was a hundred. And now I was paying 200 to that card plus a hundred. Now I'm paying 300, right? And, and you, like you said, it's, I'm repeating it, but I'm telling you, it's so much more empowering because now you're throwing all kinds of money. And then once you do that, you're going to want to work to make more money to just quickly pay off the rest. Cause you're going to get hooked. Yeah. I'm yeah, telling it really, you, it really is. It, it does become addicting. I remember, uh, I mean, he does his debt free screen, which I think is really cool. Uh, but I remember my wife and I, we first got married. I bought, I bought our, the engagement ring and the wedding ring on credit. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I was making pretty good money, Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I bought that on credit. I had a motorcycle. I didn't have a car payment, but I had a motorcycle payment. Um, I don't think maybe I had like a thousand or two thousand dollars in, in debt on, on, you know, credit card or something. I didn't have a lot of debt. Uh, she came in with a little bit of debt. And so I remember we're like, okay, well let's pay off this ring. And so we were paying like it was a minimum payment was pretty low. It was like $60 a month and I had extra money coming in. My house wasn't that expensive uh, that I bought at the time. My mortgage was pretty low. So I was making like $400, $500 a month payments on this ring. Right. And then once the ring was paid off in a few months, it was like, all right, now all of this money is going to go on to the motorcycle. And then the motorcycle was paid off in like six months. And I remember each thing that we paid off, we like literally danced around the house. We're like singing and, and like doing a dance. Like it's done. We'll never have to make another payment on that. And then we shifted all of that money onto the next thing. And then we had, uh, she had a car. We traded in for a Mini Cooper. We rolled over some money into it. And so that was like our big expense. Like we owed like $18,000 on this Mini Cooper. And we had that thing paid off within a year on, you know, like a six year loan that we took out on this car or whatever it was. And we had it paid off in a year and just the excitement you have because you're just pouring all this money. And then that, that frees up money. And it's like, all right, now what do we do? We've got all this extra money each month. What's our next biggest bill? Let's pay that off. And I went to school at that point. So I was able to float some of my own, my, my own college with some of that discretionary money. But had we had all of those bills, the amount of student loans I would have had to have taken out would have been significantly higher. So this frees up so much. And one of the things that I love, uh, he says this, he says, if you think this debt snowball stuff is cute and you might sort of get it, uh, give it a try, it won't work. Total sold out focused intensity is required to win. 
aiming at the goal and nothing else is the only way to win. And so if you believe what he's saying, and 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 I do, I think there's a lot of truth to this. If you kind of just like, ah, I'm going to kind of budget a little bit and I'll maybe pay a little bit extra on this, you know, some months, maybe some months I'll just use that, you know, I'll go out to eat or I'll buy another shirt or whatever. If you're not sold out focused on, I'm going to get this debt snowball going, you're not going to get it done. But if you go sold out for a short amount of time, it starts to compound quickly. And and next thing you know, you're debt free. Yeah, no. And here's, I love what he says here. He says, when it got bad, they would break the log jam. He's talking about loggers when they couldn't, they couldn't get through a certain space. And how do they break up the logs in the river or whatever? He says, when it got bad, they would break the log jam by throwing dynamite into the middle of the logs that were blocking the progress. And then he gives real world example of how to do this with debt. He says, one way to do that is to sell something. You could sell lots of little stuff at a garage sale, sell a seldom used item on the internet, or sell a precious item from the classifieds. Get gazelle intense and sell so much stuff that kids are afraid they are next. So things that make you make your broke friends question your sanity. If your budget is stopped up and your death snowball won't roll on its own, you're going to have to get radical. And I'm telling you, I would even say, even though we push reselling, get a second job, get a third job while you're reselling. Right. You're, you're talking for a moment. You're not talking about this is a permanent thing. Right. And when I was doing this, I wasn't reselling. I wish I was reselling because I probably wouldn't have worked as hard. But I was I was a valet, which was terrible. It's such a terrible experience, man. It was so shady. So I did valet. I also worked security. I also worked at in and out I also. Oh, by the way, I was a full time teacher and I was doing Saturday school and doing all these things. But I did whatever it took at that time to make that money. Right. So think about it as temporary though. Don't think about I'm going to be working for, for the long term. Now, if you're good at reselling, right? Because if you're brand new, maybe you work a regular job for a little bit as you're learning how to resell. And then as you get better as you at reselling, you reduce your hours doing that job to the point where like, you're like, Hey, why am I even working anymore? I'm making far more reselling that I think that's a great way to go. But if you know you're at a place right now where you're good at reselling and you're like, hey, I have I have a little bit of extra time. If I just dedicated two more hours each night or you know, 10 more hours each week or whatever it is, I could make a whole lot more money. I'd say do it. Right. Obviously, your spouse has to be on board. Obviously, your family has to be on board. You don't you don't want to live on an island when it comes to this. But we're talking about intensity. Right. For, you know, as entrepreneurs, you hear it all the time. Like I work 80 hours a week. Okay. So if entrepreneurs are saying 80 hours a week, well, if we're just talking about being debt free, which is a far, I think it's far better feeling to be debt free than to be rich and be in debt. I I really do. Cause I, I'm not wealthy, but I'm not, I'm not bound to anybody. Or you might not, I'd rather you, you'd probably better say you're not rich, but you're wealthy or whatever it is. What I'm not, I don't drive a Lambo is what I'm saying. Right. But I don't, I don't go like, how am I going to pay this bill or how am I like, I don't, I don't live like that. Like I sleep, I sleep, I sleep really well knowing that finances are taken care of, but it's not that I drive to my multi-million dollar home. I'm still in my condo in San Diego, which some would consider the price that we pay for stuff is, you know, we could, I was looking at prices. I should stop looking at prices. Yeah. No, yeah. Don't, don't look at prices. No. And so true. I love the idea of like it just being short term too. Just think if you were to, if you were to pick up a part-time job for just a couple of months, you get an extra $4,000, right? In three months, even if it's just, you know, like a minimum wage, just a few hours a week, whatever it is, 
imagine all of that money poured onto one or two, let's say you've yep. got like a thousand dollar credit card and a $3,000 credit card. You get both of those paid off, right? That might free up for you an extra $300 a month. But all that money funding. needs to go over only there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, don't spend it there. anywhere else. But, but that's the idea of like the log jam, right? Like you, let's just say you did your budget. You're eating nothing but top ramen. Now you're not, you're, 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 getting all of your clothes at thrift stores, you're, you've already cut everything you can cut and you still can't make an extra, you know, $50 payment on a credit card or on whatever it is your lowest number uh, amount debt is. If you absolutely can't do anything, get a little bit of extra. Once you pay off one of those debts, then now you have discretionary money. Even if you leave that job, that's an extra $50, $60 that's going on to another bill. And so you, it's just to get that ball rolling. Once it's rolling, you're good. And going back to that idea of the gazelle intensity, he talks a lot about you know gazelle intensity in this book. And the idea is when you look in the animal kingdom, uh, gazelles and, and cheetahs are very different. Cheetahs are the fastest land mammal. They run really, really fast but in pretty much a straight line. They don't have a lot of maneuverability, whereas gazelles, they'll go crazy. They're, they're, they're willing to, to, to maneuver, to make changes. And in your own life, you're going to have to do that. You're going to have to say, I'm going to cut from here. I'm going to move this direction. I'm going to try this. I'm going to, and you're going to do whatever you can, that laser focus. And he gives an interesting statistic that in a, in a hunt, the, the cheetah only gets the gazelle like one out of every 19 times. Most of the time, the gazelle gets away. And the reason is because they're willing to do all these crazy things. They outmaneuver the cheetah. And so he says this, he says, around our office, the counselors can predict who will make it out of debt based on how gazelle intense they are. If they're looking at the red line on the refrigerator door and yelling, and this is the idea of like crossing out the, the debts that you have and yelling, they have a really good shot. However, if they're looking for a get rich quick scheme or some intellectual theory instead of sacrifice, hard work and total focus we give them a really low gazelle rating and a low probability of becoming debt-free. And you just have to think about that for yourself. And again, this isn't a long time. Like if you're in a lot of debt and you make barely any money, let's say you're making $20,000 a year and you're $100,000 in debt, this might take you years and years and years and years to get out of. But if you're if you're making $50,000, $70,000 a year and you're $100,000 in debt, we might be talking a couple of years here. That's not that long Which in the grand scheme of really things. It's really crazy when you say it, but it's so true. I mean, all you have to do is you just you just follow Dave Ramsey's page or any of those people on Instagram. You see it all the time. Paid off a hundred thousand in two years, paid off a hundred, you know, it's it's well, we may have a guest here pretty soon on, on the podcast that's actually done that. And so and this is not becoming a Dave Ramsey podcast. They will be a reseller. But I, I like bringing both worlds together. And so think about that. I mean, the idea that it sounds so foreign, I'm, I'm t I don't know, maybe I'm just thinking that I, I'm not, you know, considering that probably, probably everyone that's listening gets it. But I'm telling you, when the, all these ideas were being shared with me back in the day, I thought this was crazy. I'm like, what? You can pay off 100K debt in two or three years, making only 70,000 a year? The, the math doesn't make sense. But if you put in a hundred hours a week, not saying that's, well, maybe you have to do that. Right. If you and your spouse together can make a hundred hours work, do it. Like it's temporary. It's temporary. It's temporary to get out of debt. So then you have to work a lot less later on, or you can choose to work a little more. It's up to you. Yep. No, that's good. Um, and then, so uh, imagine this for a moment in this next chapter kind of starts to just the, just imagining you're there, right? Fast forward six months, 18 months, three years, whatever it takes you to get out of the debt. And you've worked really hard, you sacrifice, but you have a thousand dollars sitting there in case something goes wrong. Maybe you've had to use it a couple of times already. 
and you've had to go back to baby step one and get that thousand dollars, you've got all of your consumer debt paid off. The only thing you maybe owe is a mortgage because that's a later step. Just imagine that the, the freedom you already have. Now, the next step sounds to me, and I think when I first heard this was like the craziest. This is like the hardest thing. Like, how is this even possible? I get the whole debt snowball. But the next step is to really fill out and finish your emergency fund. And the idea here is three to six months of expenses in savings. Now, before we talk about that, I got to mention, hey, if you're not following us on social media, we are on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. We are Pierce Podcast. We are Pierce Cast on Twitter. You can also watch us on our videos. We've been dropping some videos lately on YouTube. Uh, you know, it's been interesting here and there. I'm just laughing about the one I just dropped. Uh, but you can check us out, subscribe, and hit that bell notification on YouTube. You Bing. can always give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. Or shoot us an email at podcast at gmail.com. Yeah. Appreciate all of your support. We've been selling shirts lately, which has been awesome. Uh, we're almost debt free on our no. Well, we were debt free when we bought them, but you know what I mean. Like we're gonna break even finally on the shirt. So appreciate all your support on the shirts, and also grateful for any donations and for the reviews. And you know what we really, I mean, we love all the reviews. But we've been enjoying lately is people telling us how much they enjoy the level up reviews, because you know it depends on the book. But sometimes we don't get as many listens on these level up reviews as we do on the other podcasts. But I think people are understanding that we just want to help you, right? The reason we're doing total money makeover is because we'd rather help people. I'm not, I mean, do I, do we both like having more listens? Sure we do. But if we can just help out a handful of people be debt free, that's what we're about. Leveling up your standard of living. So thank you so much for the reviews. Yeah. All right, let's talk about this crazy, super emergency fund. Three to six months. Now, when you first hear this, this is crazy, but I want you to imagine this for a second. Let's say just for a round, easy number, it's $4,000 a month for you to live right now. So you're thinking six months, I, my, my bills each month I'm paying, I make $4,000 a month and I barely have any money left over. How am I going to possibly have six months of that saved up? But rewind, you've got $1,000 in cash. So you're not, you're not worried about emergencies happening and you have no more debt. Your car is paid off. Your student loans are paid off your credit cards paid up all of those monthly payments that you were making. So now all of a sudden that $4,000 a month that you have as income, maybe you only need 1300 of that for your mortgage and your clothes and all those things, right? Like that number goes way down of what you actually need month to month because you don't have the debt. Now three to six months of savings doesn't sound as hard. And so I think that's a good way too. is, is you might look at this whole book and all of the baby steps as this is an obstacle that seems impossible. But if you think about it as baby steps, if I complete baby step one, and if I once I get through baby step two, baby step three is a whole lot easier because I don't, I don't have to spend as much each month. I don't have a car payment. I don't have this payment. I don't have that payment. So you've already reduced what it costs to live. So that's just like my first just gut reaction with this is I know that there's going to be people like that's that's not possible. I'm never going to have six months of of savings saved up in case something goes wrong. But here's why it's important. I think COVID is a great eye opener for a lot of people. There's a lot of people who went into this thinking my job is safe, secure. I'll always have a job. My company's solid, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden life happens. Companies downsize. Maybe you have an illness in the family. Maybe you get sick. And so the idea of the three to six months isn't, this isn't money to like, live off of for, for fun or anything like that. This is like, if I lose my job or I need to stay home because I'm sick or 
whatever the situation is, I can bridge the gap until I can get back on my feet, until things start getting better again. And sometimes it could take a few months before you get there. And so this is such an important thing. And our last uh, interview that we did, um, he he made a great comment that one of the problems with this book is he's, Dave Ramsey has never changed that $1,000 baby step. It's always been $1,000. And I think $1,000 is pretty good. I think most expenses, I mean, maybe you might have a $1,500 car payment if something breaks on your car, but usually $1,000. But if you have a $1,500 car payment, you're driving the wrong car. No, no, not car payment. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like if, if transmission, like fix a repair payment. I get what you're saying. Um, so, but usually $1,000 is enough to cover, like my dog got really sick and I had to take him to the vet and it was $600 for the whatever it was, right? Usually $1,000 is pretty good to cover you. But this three to six months, this is really tough for a lot of people to to even consider being at. But if you're here, the way you'll sleep at night, not stressed about what if I lose my job and it allows you to take better risks. It allows you to make better financial decisions because you're not you don't have this looming thing over your head of something could go wrong and I my whole life is going to fall apart. Well, let's make it real. Like you had mentioned how you have less bills to pay. So I just put on my my bills in my every dollar app. And I remember when I was in debt, I had like 15 bills to pay, right? You Probably like seven of them were creditors. Right now, it's only down to seven. And I only have to pay those once a month. And actually, they're not even very big. My biggest that I pay is medical, outside of rent, is medical insurance, right? Which is hefty. I mean, it, you know, especially if you're self-employed, like it's, it's, a, it's a decent amount. But your bills are so small, right? Once you get to the place where you don't owe money, right? And like you said, you have all this. And what you should do is once you have this six-month emergency fund, then you get to the next baby step. But it is totally doable. And and you have to understand, once you get into a place where you've done that debt snowball, it's actually going to be really easy to get to this place, right? But if you're first starting, if you don't even have your $1,000 emergency fund, this is going to seem just crazy, like yeah. un, not, not doable at all. So baby steps. Don't. No, it's coming, but don't, don't get hung up on it. Agreed. Agreed. Now, I think there's no better time than now to think about this, right? This pandemic, a lot of us, right? I have friends who lost their jobs and some of my friends didn't have those six months, right? So they had to find now they luckily they found other ways of money. Actually, the other day I was, uh, I was in, you know, it's funny. Anytime I go somewhere, I'm always in in an Uber and I always want to ask people like, why are you driving Uber? Right. And I, I get interesting stories. I don't know if people want to talk to me. I usually don't like talking to people, but if they start talking, I'm, I'm going to ask like, Hey, so why do you drive Uber? And the, most of the time it's, I just found it was an easy way to make a little bit of money. Right. And it's, it's individuals that are actually like retired most of the time. Like the, at least the Uber drivers I've had, maybe it depends what part of the country you're in. But most of mine have been people that like they they were like professionals, like they they weren't like doctors, but they were they were pretty much up there. And now they're like, hey, if I can just drive once a day, I mean once a week, I can pull in the extra money and go on vacation, and then I'll drive again. the The reason I bring this up is that there are so many opportunities right now. Luckily, the pandemic happened now. I know it's gonna sound crazy. Then if it happened in 2010 or 2000, mm. right? Because things have shifted, right? You've had, you've watched those videos, like people are making money on Instacart. I've watched, I've watched, I don't know if they're kids. Everybody looks like kids when they're under 18 now because I'm so old. I'm only 41, but you know, I see 18. I'm like, are you 18? Are you 15? I, I don't know. But 
they're like, hey, I can easily make on Instacart this week $480. And then I'll see another kid on TikTok going, yeah, I just, I did this last week and I made $2,000. I'm like, this is outrageous, like outrageous. So the reason I say this is going back to that six months that if you want to get to that six months really quick, there's those options right now, even during this pandemic, right? It's just, you, we got to think differently, right? It may not be, Hey, I'm going to go find a, a job that's similar to my same workspace. It may be, Hey, I'm going to drive an Uber. I'm going to drive a Lyft. I'm going to do DoorDash. I'm going to do Instacart. Now it all depends on, you know, where you feel with your health, with everything that's going on right now, but it's doable. It's doable. And the the reason you may be in a place where you're paying so much in bills is because maybe you don't need all those bills. Yeah. No, that's a good point too, is we've talked a lot in this episode about ways of making more money. Reselling is obviously a great way of that, but there's the other side of the coin too, right? It's like a, it's like a, a, a seesaw. You can either increase the amount of money you have coming in, or you could reduce what you're mm-hmm. spending. And again, you can save so much money each month. And, and I'll, I'll mention this because I, I, I buy more expensive groceries because I, you know, like lots of foods that are a little bit more expensive. Keeping up the Jones is the top um, tier. But I remember when I was originally trying to get debt free and really the only debt I have now at this point for the most part is student loans and, and that's just a different animal. Uh, but when I was really intense about getting setups that I wasn't month to month living, man, I was eating, I was eating top ramen. I was eating like the cheapest. I, I probably cut like my, my date. I was probably spending a dollar or two a day in food or less. If you're single, th- this is, this is no brainer. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things you can cut out, right? You can cut out. I mean, we just, we had a CBS all access account so that we could watch big brother and survivor, two of the greatest shows ever. Um, in fact, hey, big brother, big brother is probably that must have just fulfilled your life. Big Brother is probably one of the greatest shows of all time. It is like the greatest experiment. That's like of 90 human Day psychology. Fiance world. No, no, no. It's not. It's really not Big Brother. Like I'm telling you, it's it it's so it's so political. Anyways. And it's so anyways. Um, but because of the whole COVID thing, there's no survivor, there's no big brother. So we cut that and it's like, okay, ten dollars a month. Hundred sometimes you gotta think in years. Okay, it's $120 a year. I cut a couple of other subscriptions that are about ten dollars a month. The three or four ten dollar a month subscriptions that I've cut. That's like $500 a year. Those subscriptions get you. Yeah, $500 the, oh. a year. So imagine $500 a year, all of that extra goes onto a student loan, right? You do the one that's the the smallest one in a few years on top of the extra payment you're making, that thing's paid off three or four years sooner because of not having those subscriptions. So you don't have to go out and drive Uber. I mean, that is an option. Or you can just find things in your life you can cut out. And- I'm just going to throw out my PSA here. Be careful with free trial subscriptions. That's where I lose a lot of money these days. So I'll be, you know, I want to watch a movie. You with forget my son. to cancel. Yeah. And my son's like, oh man, like I'm looking and it's like, all right, I pay Amazon $3.99 to watch it or I do the seven day HBO free trial. And I'm like, oh, I'll do the free trial. And then one day I hear my phone is like, you just paid $18.99. And I'm like, oh, so seriously, you can lose a lot of money on subscriptions. That is a new thing. And, you know, I'm sure if Dave Ramsey wrote this book again or had a revised version 2020, I think that discussion would be on there because it, I think Audible, like Mike, Mike's upset at me all the time because I'm like, hey, I haven't done Audible in six months. I have like seven credits. And f- for a while, they were taking $15 a month. I wasn't even using it. Right. And actually now here's what, what people are doing. You notice on Hulu and, and all those, you can 
not you don't get out of it. You just you can take a break. Yeah. So they allow you to like stop it for three months. Just put it on pause, or they'll be like, if you stay with us, you'll have three months for the price of one, right? And they always give you a. a oh, deal. it's such a sweet. In, deal. in fact, if you if you if you've got subscriptions you're planning on keeping, go cancel them. Like, don't actually go, follow the cancel all the way through because you you have to hit cancel like eight times, confirming before it's actually canceled. A lot of times you'll get a good deal for a few months, and you can just save a little bit of extra money. Uh, but just think about that, like just that alone. Because I remember as a kid, like the health teacher, whoever would come in and talk to us about smoking. They would tell us like a pack of cigarettes <laughs> cost this much a day. And if, if you smoked and then if you it's were a lot of money that, and then over the course of a year and over the course of 10 years, but just think about that with audible. I mean, I use my audible. I would never get rid of it, but for you, it's $180 a year. Yeah. Right. So you figure 10 years of audible. If you're not really using it, used it, $1,800, right. That all of a sudden sounds like a lot of money. So you go from, Oh, it's fifteen hundred dollars a or fifteen dollars a month isn't that big of a deal to eighteen hundred dollars over the next decade. Well, that eighteen hundred dollars can pay off some debts, and you can be way further along. So you just got to be smart with those things. A lot of times, it's not. I mean, some this isn't a Dave Ramsey tip, but um, it's a pure as podcast. One of one of my like last tips that I'll leave you with here is I've learned and I've heard other people say this is it's not the big purchases that usually cause people. To, to not be financially wise. It's not the buying the new flat screen TV. Because most people, they might do those occasional big purchases, but it's the little purchases. It's the buying the, the energy drink at the store every day. It's the getting the coffee. It's the, the small $3 here, $4 there, that if you look at your budget, and that's a problem with not budgeting, but if you're actually looking and saying, I, I spent how much in energy drinks mm-hmm. this year? As opposed to, would I have spent that much money on... My diamonds a new budget. I don't even want to know. A le- two two liters a day. Oof, it's not even healthy. I know, I know. Before all the comments come, I know. Okay, I know. It's my only vice. Okay? How much? Is, it's how, my only how vice. How much is a, a two liter amount diamond do? If I get it on sale, like eighty nine cents. If I don't, it's like a dollar fifty. We'll just average out a dollar. So two dollars a day. Mm-hmm. So like seven hundred dollars a year in Mountain Dew. Yep. Die so, Mountain Dew, my friend. Die. So so seven thousand dollars in a decade. Yep. Every spent every penny well spent. Hey, yeah. I, don't, I don't drink in the next 30 years. Think before, about the money I'd be spending if I was drinking. Just think about so when you by the time you retire, you would have spent about twenty one thousand dollars between now and the time you retire in Diet Mountain Dew. Twenty one thousand dollars. It's okay. It's a car. I live like no one else for a while, so I could live like hey. no one else. Hey, yeah, if you if you're debt free, man. So diet too is my one. Like no All right. Hey, I, I do want to end on, on one final note which I think is really powerful and hopefully motivating. So Dave Ramsey says, as you budget over the years and your total money makeover completely changes your money habits, you will use the emergency fund less and less. Very true, right? I can't think of the last time I dipped into my emergency. I I seriously can't. It's been years. We haven't touched our emergency fund in over 15 years. When we first started, everything was an emergency, right? Do you remember that feeling? Like, oh man, like, you know, the worst one was when you forgot to pay a bill. Like you budgeted everything out and then you look at your bank account and it's like minus 250. Like what? Why didn't they take out this money when I first wanted to pay? Right. And it happens all the time. So I've been there. But as you crawl off the bottom and the total money makeover begins to take effect, you have fewer things you can't cover in your monthly budget. Right. So things begin to shift. Right. Not everything's an emergency. Right. Things are a lot more mellow, a lot more chill. At the start, though, you'll be like we were. Everything will be an emergency. 
So I get it. I was there. I remember any, you know, if you have kids, the worst is when your kids come home. It's like, mom, dad, I have this thing on Friday or I need to get this apply for this project. You're like, what? I, my, I sent whether you send your kid a public school or like, Hey, taxes pay for everything. If you send your kid a private school, Hey, I pay tuition. Shouldn't have to pay a dime for anything, but it happens. Right. And, and the older your kids get, the more expensive they get. Right. Then you're going to get to like, Hey mom, dad, can I go to the movies? And movies aren't cheap, man. Like movies are like, you know, you drop the ticket, you drop the food, you drop the meal after you're talking about 50, 60 bucks a pop. Right. And so it becomes an emergency, not for you, but for your kids. But when your kids on your case, then it becomes an emergency. So at the start, you'll be like we were. Everything will be an emergency. To show you what I mean, consider two. And then he goes into stories. So what I'm saying is this. Think long term. Know that in the beginning, everything's going to feel like an emergency. Everything's going to be urgent. But in time, as you free yourself of that financial, right, bounding feeling, that constant pressure of debt, that always having to pay creditors, like you have no way out. Eventually, all that is going to go away. And when things happen, you'll be like, oh, I got the emergency fund. Or like, oh, hey, you know what? We actually were going to spend money here, but, you know, let's shift it somewhere else in the budget. No big deal. And it won't even be an argument. It won't even be this feeling of anxiety because you're going to be debt free. Wow. Good film. It is. With that being said, hey, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. Please.